We've been to all four corners of Britain in our quest to interview the great and good of entertainment. Comics, actors, writers, politicians, singers, dancers and choreographers. It doesn't matter who they are. They've all given me their own take on the world they live in and have, in their own way, helped to define what makes Britain great. So join me and my assistants as we get another insight into the marvellous and enigmatic world of showbiz here on Beyond the Title. Making his theatrical debut as Kiwi in The Hasty Heart at the Old Witch Theatre in 1945, legendary actor and broadcaster Nicholas Parsons delighted audiences for over 70 years. Whether it was the stereotypical English gentleman persona alongside Arthur Haynes in the 50s, unlikely carry-on star in the 60s, or host of Sale of the Century throughout the 1970s. In 1967, Parsons was selected to host the brand new radio panel show, Just a Minute, and over half a century later, the Radio 4 institution was still going strong. I caught up with the broadcasting great back in 2016 to talk agents, comedy, and recollections of an unprecedented career in entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, the late, great Nicholas Parsons. Who was your first agent and how did they find an outlet for your talent? They didn't have found my own outlet. I mean, to a great extent, there's a, there's a humorous phrase we use in show business. Sometimes you have to be an agent for your agent. You, you, an agent needs to be a good um, manager, negotiator, uh, and experience on contracts. Uh, <clears throat> I, I made well, my own contacts. I would write to people and get work. Uh, my first major agent was Richard Stone organization. It's still going strong. <coughs> but uh, the people who took it over, um, our relationship wasn't strong. I don't think they thought I had a, a future. So I, I left them and went to another agent. Uh, but you, you need an agent is a facilitator. I mean, in America, they're very powerful. And agents do get work. Agents organize things, agents persuade managements and producers to create things. And in America you couldn't move without having an influential agent. In this country you need an agent who is a, uh, a personal friend who can work with you and uh, persuade you and will put your name forward because they will hear about opportunities. But on the whole you, you have to um, make your own way. You have to think of ideas and you have to push yourself forward. I mean, one of your questions there about summer season. Yes, I did summer season with Arthur Haynes, but I was the one who asked George Black, who was presenting the show, would they like to have me? And once he said yes, it was over to my agent to negotiate the contract. And that's a great extent how it works in this country. But if you're not known at all, the irony is I mean, overall, the irony is, if you're not known at all, you need an agent to put your name forward, because they know the things that are going on. And once you're known, you have the contacts, and you can put yourself forward. You just need an agent who is a good, shrewd, intelligent business person. So, uh, what, are, what are your memories of Richard Stone? Very happy memories. He was a delightful man. He did very well. Um, and... Um, 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 and he, he was a very good agent. He got me. He, he negotiated good contracts for me. 
You see, it said here, you started your career as a TV actor before becoming an Arthur Haynes comic. I was I started as an actor. I still am an actor. I'm an actor who's done lots of different things. And so I am... Um, I, uh, I, I did an audition with the theatre management. I got that myself. I sat in the office of this impresario and pleaded to have an audition. And I got an audition. I got the job understudying. And from that I played the part. From that I went into another play for them. And then I went into rep, which in those days, in the 40s and 50s, there were lots of weekly reps all around the country. And that's where you can learn your job. Nowadays, young actors coming out of their academies uh, have great difficulties, far more work for actors and performers, but um, less opportunity for them to learn their craft. Because, um, you know, you go into weekly rep, you do a different part in a different play every week, it's, uh, it's very demanding and exhausting, but if you knuckle down and enjoy it, which I did, because I wanted to be an actor from the earliest age I can remember, and, and this was wonderful, as doing what I dreamed of doing. And so you began, and then, from being an actor, I um, I wanted to broaden my experience, and in the fifties I got a cabaret around. So I got a cabaret act together. So I got a cabaret, and of course, it's typical of this country. They always want to define you. Everybody does. You're defining me here, as if I'm one thing or the other: an actor, a straight man, a comedian, a stand-up. I'm all those things, and so. Um, I got together this cabaret act to get more varied experience and more work. And then when it was successful, they labelled me, they said, oh, he's a cabaret artist, he's a cabaret actor. And then I went and did an audition at the Windmill Theatre, a famous windmill, and I was taken on, I became a stand-up comedian. And, and they said, oh, he's a stand-up comedian. No, it wasn't all those things. Then I joined the BBC drama rep, where I did lots of impersonations and the voices. Oh, he said, he's a voice man. And then I did it on a review. He said, oh, he's a review artist. And then I began to work with Arthur Haynes. He said, oh, he's a straight man. You know, you're, not, you're all those things. If you're an all-rounder, so many actors concentrate on doing one thing. And they probably have a chance for more success because they'll always be remembered for that when that sort of role or that part comes up. But I've spread my talent over a very vast spectrum of entertainment. And so, um, when I got the artwork of Arthur Haynes, I got it. Because I was going to be, um, uh, as a host of this new show, Strike a New Note. And uh, I introduced it. And, uh, and did a bit of stand-up comedy, gags. And after six shows, because it wasn't successful, the management, George Black, said, I'm getting rid of everybody, because it hasn't worked. I'm going to keep Arthur Haynes and you, and I think you should do sketches together. So he saw us together to do sketches. And we got sketches from lots of different writers, particularly Johnny Spate, who was just beginning. And so the partnership was formed, and it evolved, and it got stronger and better and more creative. But I took the role of a straight man in an entirely different direction. I wasn't the conventional straight man as it was known then, like Jerry Desmond, who was brilliant. But all he had to do was to stand up on stage and repeat the words as Jerry Desmond. But in the sketches I did, whatever they were, I became that character, whether it be a, a, a doctor, a lawyer, an MP, you know, a vicar, played lots of vicars, and things like that. And so I was the foil to the comedian, so they called him the straight man, 
because I didn't play for laughs. I got a lot of laughs on character, but not laughs with gag lights. And so it evolved, and that relationship uh, with Arthur Haynes was entirely different from any other straight relationship. And so, um, but every partnership's different. I mean, uh, Morecambe and Wise, they knew each other together, and they, 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 they gagged together, joked together. I mean, Anton Deck, who were the, uh, very, very successful and very talented, but they bounce off each other. And one isn't the straight man to the other. But that's the way it's gone now. Mm. Well, that's good. That's fantastic information. Really, really good insights. Thank you. So, I mean, this business of agents, I mean, they're important, they're vital. But uh, it depends. And sometimes performers don't have the ability to chase work. So they need an agent who will keep doing it for them. I chase a lot of my work now. I get engagements and I say, right, thank you. And I speak to Jean Diamond mm. and Jean negotiates the contract. Sometimes she comes to me and says, I've had an inquiry, etc., etc. And I let her know whether I'm interested or not. But um, and it, it, you want to have a good relationship. I had a very good relationship with um, Richard Stone. And we, we, were, we were good friends. And now I have a marvelous relationship with Jean Diamond, who is a, a wonderful agent. And occasionally she'll say, I don't think you should do this. And I sometimes say, Gina, I think I would like to do that. So she says, that's fine, and I'll negotiate the contract. Other times we have a discussion, she said, I don't think you need to do this. You see what I mean? It's a case of having an agent who is a friend, who understands your talent, and can promote you in the best possible way. That's good. But, but, but get this quite clear. There is this image, and it is an, comes from America, where the agent, agents are powerful over there. They can uh, influence. And if you work in America, you need an agent, because they have the contacts, and the management listen to the agent. It's a different, it's a different um, uh, scenario, that's the word. That's good. Should we move on to the next one? What's the next one? I've done most of them. I know, I was just thinking now. Then I was thinking, oh, we're, we're going through all a, a lot of these. Hmm. What well, am I associated with the, uh, the grade organization? Well, I was associated with the grade organization because when I was with Arthur Haynes, uh, he was represented by the grade. You see, the, the grade organization, which became London Management, um, uh, the grades who were musical act. They set up this agency. They were a variety agency. But it all changed when ITV started because uh, up until then, the, the music halls, or variety as we call it over here, existed. And all the variety halls really have gone. The stand-up comedy now, that's what's called today, the stand-up comedians. Uh, in those days, you had the variety circuit. And a, a, a performer would get an act together, you get engaged, you go on the, the smaller dates, you graduate to the bigger dates, and you get an engagement from uh, the, the, the music halls, and you do a tour. And an act, actor, a comedian, who put an act together, which would run, what was the, the time he had, 12 minutes or more, and um, that act would keep him in work for maybe two or three years, because he wasn't repeating it. But once you go on television, and you you do something, 
it's gone. You can't repeat it because they say, oh, he's repeating it. I mean, my friend Arthur Haynes, uh, he had a very good um, stage act, very, very well put together, very amusing, and, uh, but he would never do that act on television because once it was exposed to those millions, it was lost. I mean, it was not lost, but, you know, he couldn't keep repeating it. But he could do that show if it was in the music hall for years. Also, he would do it when he did after dinners and so forth. So, uh, I mean, I have uh, a, a cabaret act I do. I've adapted it into a stage act, actually. But uh, I'll do an after dinners. But the material I do there, I don't do on television. Because if I start telling some of those jokes there, they're gone. You know, they've been exposed. And, and anyway, others will pinch them as well. <laughs> uh, so um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a very complex world, show business. And there's something for you to put in. Very complex world. Unless you're in it and know how it works, it's very difficult to explain it to somebody else. But back to the grades, I mean, uh, what actually happened was um, Leslie Grade decided to run the agency and Lou Grade broke away because when uh, ATV, one of the independent companies, was formed, a group of people put forward a premise to the IBA, it was the ITA then, independent, uh, 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 to, to get the franchise to run that station. And a group got together, which was Val Parnell, and Lou Grade, who came, he had to give up his age, but Lou Grade, Val Parnell, and Collins, one or two others, and they called themselves Associated Television, uh, ATV. And they put forward their premise to run um, the London area, which, oh, that was called ATV. And they got the franchise. So, and in those days, when it first began, there were 13 different stations. And you can be employed by ATV, who ran uh, the franchise for the London area, uh, or the um, um, Granada, and they were the they were the they were the big five, which was uh, ATV, London, Thames Television, um, Granada, running these, these and um, uh, oh, STB, Scotland and um, Westwood Television, Wales in the West. And the other ones were smaller companies, they had less power. Like uh, Anglia Television I worked for, uh, Time Tees, and so forth. And um, it all slowly changed and evolved. And now it's just ITV. And it's one big organization running the whole of the ITV network. The same as BBC runs the whole of the BBC network. Did you ever do Sunday night at the Palladium? Um, don't believe I did at the Palladium. I worked at the Palladium. I don't think I ever did Sunday night at the Palladium. I did a, a big um, children in need show at the Palladium uh, for children. And um, no, I didn't do Sunday night. I, when Arthur Haynes was asked to go on Sunday night at the Palladium, uh, a lot of people thought he was a bit naughty because he did his stage act, which I told you about, he didn't do elsewhere. Whereas the reason he was asked was because of the success of the Arthur Haynes show. 
and a lot of people thought it would have been much fairer for him and I to appear together and done a sketch. So I didn't do the Palladium show, no. But, I mean, it didn't matter. I mean, Arthur was entitled to do what he wanted. Um, I did a season of the London Palladium with Arthur Haynes, which was called Swing Along, in which um, we, it was a variety show. I started Arthur Haynes and me, Frank Ivey was on, and um, Kenny Morris and his Joan Savage, and a, a, a conjurer, and, oh yes, who's the girl who's then Bobby's girl? And she was singing on that little, um, anyway. And um, so Arthur and I, I did some comparing. Arthur and I did three sketches together. I did a spot, my own spot. And Arthur did his big spot at the end, in fact. And it was very successful. We were booked for six months and we ran for nine months probably no show at the Palladium has ever run quite so long yeah. and um, so uh, and then we were doing more television together but it was uh, so I worked at the Palladium it was, it was, it was a great experience but I, I worked everywhere you see I do all kinds of different things the present moment I've got my radio show which is holds the record 49 years just a minute I mean I have mentioned it there yeah. That's that's far more significant at the moment. Uh, would there be any more TV episodes of it coming up, or in the future? Uh, no, I, it, it's it's interesting. We did a, a television series for the BBC, yeah. and it was very successful. Yeah. But I think they put it out at the wrong time. Mm. I think they thought it was a quiz show, so we replaced um, uh, Eggheads at uh, six o'clock. It isn't. It's a late night comedy show. A lot of people think because it's a, it's a game, uh, you know, it's, it's a game which isn't. It's a comedy show, but run in the form of a game. Mm. And uh, the awful thing is, once the uh, commissioning editors and people book something, and uh, it doesn't work very well in that slot, they don't suddenly say, oh, well, well, we'll get it back and we'll put it in that slot. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't been asked back. Also, I don't think the radio people would be very happy if we went on television. I think they might feel they've lost one of the jewels in their crown. And so, you know, there's all kinds of professional politics which goes on all the time. Yeah, the radio probably wouldn't want to lose, lose they that wouldn't to lose TV. It. They wouldn't lose it. Mm. In fact, when we were on the television, it increased the radio ratings. Really? But, but they, don't, they, don't, they don't think like that. You see, the whole nature of television, and I've been in it long enough to know has changed. I mean, programs were commissioned by heads of departments. And if you had enough connections or your agent did, you could phone up the head of a department and you'd go in and talk to them about an idea and they would say, yes, let us have a premise. And they would either think about it and commission it and it would go ahead. Nowadays, and it is an nature of the beast actually that um, every organization as it increases in size becomes more bureaucratic so I mean as I've mentioned about ITV from being an organization with 13 different independent stations or working to one controller now it is one organization called ITV and uh, as with the BBC it is now all run by commissioning editors so if you have an idea, 
you submit it and commissioning editors consider it and then you might come back to you and consider they might commission it so it's it's um, it, it, it's more difficult I mean at the present moment I've got an idea in which other people have been creating for me and um, it, 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 it's, it's the nature of the beast you have to learn how to work within the system and the system has changed dramatically as it's increased in size and volume. Did you ever work at LWT, London Weekend Television? Yeah, I worked with them all. Mm. I mean, I did the Benny Hill show, that was an LWT. And uh, I, did, I was with Benny Hill for three or four years in all his shows and his sketches. And I was working there as, um, as a character comedian, you might say, and, and, a, and a host. So I, I've done it all, you see. I mean, I'm not, I don't mean that any sense of conceit. It's just that uh, it's unusual for five somebody who spread their talent over such a broad spectrum of entertainment. So I worked, I worked for all the companies. I did the, the quiz show, Sale of the Century. That came from Anglia Television, which was based in Norwich. And the uh, Benny Hill show was uh, London Weekend Television. And that came from Thames, Thames. And the Arthur Haynes show was ATV. And that came from London. And so, um, and I've done lots of other shows. I mean, I was working, uh, uh, I just guested in this thing that's coming out next week about um, Holiday of a Lifetime, which Ben couldn't have, and I don't know which, oh, that's BBC, that's right, the BBC. And I did the other one about um, uh, uh, oh, yes, that was a Hollywood, uh, oh, yes about the food program I did a thing about yeah. with James Martin yeah. with, was it with James Martin the chef well, that's the chef that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. you're talking about the um, uh, your your uh, your homes what was it called oh yes it was home cooked meals or something yeah, like but that. That, that's, they did that as as part of it was it, it was, meals they were fond of uh, from, from earlier yeah, but, years? But it was, they, they took me back to the house where I lived for many years, and the old house where I was, was married for many years, and, and they cooked a meal there. But um, what was the program called? Um, food of a Lifetime or something. Taste of my life. Taste of my life. Something like that, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I remember seeing it advertised and we put mm. it on record, didn't we, on the box. But no, that's, that's good. This, this is. You can understand why we were so keen to ask you questions, because you have worked for everybody. Yeah, and, I got this you know, you've done absolutely and everything. I'm so old, I've been around a long time. You've uh, experienced everything, you know, you've literally been there, done the t shirt, well, yeah, been there, got right, the yeah. t shirt. <laughs> I've never ceased acting. I was in a play quite recently. You know, and uh, and I was doing this show. I remember now at Christmas time, playing Charles Dickens in a musical adaptation over Christmas at Eastbourne for a week. So I'm still doing it all, whether it be yeah. an actor, comedian, stand-up, comedy, variety, radio, television. You know, I, I am an all-rounder yeah. who can do them all. And unfortunately, in this country, they in America, I put this in my biography. If you do more than one thing, like I do, they, they respect you for the diversity of your talent. You can do this, you can do that, you can do that. Oh, gosh, he's talented. In this country, they're suspicious of you. As if, you know, you have to be a specialist 
to be successful. Mm. Yeah, the, the story that Josh is trying to tell, which stops in the 70s, and that's, uh, is that why we haven't gone into the yeah. other areas yeah. of, of your career right, beyond yeah, that, yeah. you know? Yeah, because it's about the theatrical variety. Yeah. yeah. Actual variety, yeah. Mm. Well, I've done variety shows. I just got a, a poster from somebody sent it to me when I appeared at the famous Met uh, musical, the Met Edgware Road. It was very famous. Arthur Haynes and I were both there. I was doing my act, he was doing his, and we did a sketch together. But, um, so in the 70s, uh, well, that's when Set of the Century began, actually. But, uh, uh, I mean, Arthur Haynes and I were with the late 50s to the late 60s. Uh, my radio show started in 1967, it's still going strong. And uh, I've done a lot of plays, of course. Starred in the West End in a number of plays. So what else do you want to know? Josh asks, why do you think there were a lot of game shows coming up kind of out that, that sort of time? Well, a lot of game, you see, when the, um, before it became the IBA, Independent Broadcasting Authority, it was the ITA, the Independent Television Authority, and they had, that's when ITV, Independent Television, began, and they had very strict rules. You were only allowed to have three game shows on any the television on any network at that time, and only um, um, and on the major giveaways, as they were called, of which Sale of the Century was one, the the, the total uh, prize could only be a thousand pounds. Well, that's all changed now. You can have as many as you like, and game shows and quiz shows are much more economical than plays and things like that. So now you have a lot, some of them are brilliant, I love watching them. But um, it, it's a changed situation. I mean, the attitude of the IT was that, um, you know, giving your m money away to people, as they ask questions, was, you know, it, it, was, it was not very healthy. You know, it, it, it was encouraging greed and avarice. That's why they, <clears throat> they were sick to the prizes, to no more, top prize, no more a thousand pounds. Now they can make, uh, give as, as much as they want, as often as they want. So it's, it's all changed. And that slowly came about um, when independent television was, was what called deregulized. I don't know the actual date of that, but you could look it up. And then it became a free-for-all. They could do whatever they wanted. So it, there was very severe restrictions. <clears throat> and in the 70s, I knew it, because it happened with the end of the century. In fact, there's a very good story there. Uh, always the, the top car and the top prize was a motor car. And uh, it might be interesting to note that when in, I, uh, Saint of the Century began in 1971, there were about 17 cars on the market which were less than a thousand pounds. Can you believe it? And then slowly they got more. And after about five years, there were only three cars at less than a thousand pounds, and they were all foreign cars. So as the rules say, we couldn't have a car on. Uh, a prize which is more than a thousand. We got criticized by the press for always giving away foreign cars. So Anglia Television used this argument with the IBA said, well, this is wrong, we're being criticized. So we, and they negotiated and they changed the, the ante and then you're allowed to <coughs> have a top prize of 
2,500, but only um, 7,500 over three weeks. So we were able to get British cars back on again, which was, of course, right. And so that was only in the late 70s. Nowadays, you know, they give away what they like. I mean, I get amazed when I say that uh, the top prize, you know, probably like, like the, um, I see, I can't really see, see that's um, program with the women at midday, which is very good. Um, Loose women? Loose women, yeah. Uh, it's a very good program at this time. And, um, I mean, they suddenly say, we've got a prize. Dial this number, and there's a prize of a car for 25000 or something, and a holiday as well thrown in. And, and, and you think, well, how can they get the money? Well, they get the money, obviously, for all the people who dial in. Mm. But now the, the world is their oyster as regards the amount of money they can give away. And um, for somebody who grew up when there was very severe restrictions on it, the attitude was it was appealing to the greed in people, so we shouldn't do it. I don't know what you think, but um, that was the attitude then. And nowadays, of course, and of course you've got the lottery and you've got everything else. And uh, it's a changed world. It's a whole different attitude towards prizes and money. Do you say Yes, end of the century. Do you think so? The century would have worked on the BBC? No, because they, they weren't allowed to give prices away then. The BBC can't give money away. Really? That's the BBC charter. They're not allowed to give money away. They can have game shows and quizzes. But they don't. I mean, have you ever seen a show on the BBC with money involved? No. It's their charter. They can't. I mean, for instance, um, uh, I took my radio show abroad and... Um, they, they had to, uh, though the other people wanted to appear on it for nothing, they had to pay them, because that is the BBC charter. The BBC has a charter, which is from the government, and people pay the license fee, and that's where they get their money to pay for the things. Mm. But they can't give away prizes. They can't. I mean, it's like giving away the, the license fee money, isn't it? Exactly. Everything has to be paid for. Nicholas, what are your memories of Dennis Van... Oh, I don't know, Dennis Van. I think he was head of London management, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't work for London management ever. Yeah. They weren't my agents. Yeah. I knew them because Arthur Haynes' agents were London management. They were called the Grade Organisation then. I think Dennis. I know Dennis Van Tal ran the legit side of London management or the Grade Organisation, and. Uh, Blue Grade ran the variety side, then he went to ATB, and then uh, Leslie Grade ran it. But Dennis Van Tal, I think, was the senior director of London management. But I didn't know him, because they weren't my agents. But he, he was a very charming man, as far as I know. So, did you know Richard Stone he died? Did you know Richard Stone up until he died? Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, he retired, and his agency was taken over by uh, the people who trained uh, Vivian Claw and, uh, and so on. And they were all, and naturally, I, I worked with them all. And um, Richard retired, 
he lived the White, and I'm still in touch with his widow. So we, we, we had a we were very good friends. Naturally, you can't work with an agent unless he's a good friend as well. And uh, so the Richard Stone Agency still exists. And uh, I think one of the contracts they negotiated for me, I'm still getting little minimal repeats coming through from them. Uh, no, you see, I've got to emphasize, I think I'm writing a book about agents. Agents don't have the same influence in this country as agents do in America. And, but some agents are much more influential and better contacts than others, like London Management or the great organization as they were then. And I think any aspiring variety performer uh, in the 60s would long to get to the great organization because of the contacts they had. And incidentally, uh, Jean Diamond, who's my agent now, she was part of London Management and she was, uh, ran the, the theatre side, the legit side. And then she set up on her own and left them because it all broke up uh, the management. And uh, she's, she's Diamond Management now. And her connections are much more on the legit side. And as I've done a lot of films, I thought, well, good to be with an agent like that because she got get me some plays and films and I could get the variety stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but she's very successful now mm -hmm. and she has some very, very well-connected clients. Thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you liked this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates on forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time.